Hello and welcome to the Body Talk podcast on the science of communication. I'm Richard Newman. I'm the CEO and founder of Body Talk, and we'll be sharing with you insights, inspiration, and some really simple strategies that you can be using day to day in your working life to improve all of the interactions that you're having and also the results and reactions that you're getting from other people to make sure you get more of the results that you deserve. Uh, today, I'm joined by Katie Lewis on the podcast, who's a really experienced trainer on our team. Uh, she has an incredible background. She's been coaching clients on communication for more than 20 years. Uh, she's also designed and delivered courses on communication for some really well-known luxury brands such as Aston Martin and Lamborghini. And beyond that, uh, as an unusual background, uh, she comes to us from having high-speed precision driver experience and uh, being a race instructor where she's coaching people to perform at their best at 150 miles per hour. So, uh, Katie, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thanks. So I wonder if just as a way of introduction, you can share with people a bit about your background and how that led you into coaching people on communication. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, like you say, I've got quite an unusual background. Um, I I fell into being a professional driver, actually a precision driver. Uh, I was one of those stories where um, you kind of read about in the papers where I actually got kind of spotted on track. I was working in an events team and um, some of the pro drivers thought it'd be funny to get everybody out on the track and they, you know, pulling up the handbrakes those times when we had manual handbrakes and spinning us around and I was just controlling the car and going why are you doing that and I didn't realize but apparently I was a natural driver so they kind of took me under their wing and and taught me to, to become a precision driver and from there what happened is I ended up doing lots of what we call in dealer training so going into car dealerships and talking to them about new technologies new cars where they would sell them in the market how to talk to customers etc etc and I found that the part that I really liked was less being on the track and more being with the people and helping them um, sell more. So I'd always had this fascination with psychology and why people do things and um, body language and all of this kind of stuff. So what I, I did off my own back is I started to go and research and I just self-studied. I watched every TED talk, every video. I went to every conference I could find. I read every book. And I started to teach myself about why we do things as people. And that just naturally kind of led me into, well, hang on, if I want to give this information that I find to others, I need to find a better way to communicate. Because historically, I hadn't been very good at communicating, especially as um, as a teenager, as somebody in their early 20s, I, I find it really difficult. And um, I don't come from a background of a family that coaches or asks those kinds of questions. I come from a background where my family tells me what to do. So that was generally normal to me. Um, and you see that a lot now in business, people still telling because that's what they're used to. So... I just, again, I just thought, right, if I need, if I want to share this information, I need to know how to do this so people will listen and people will use this information that I found to help themselves. So that's when I started to kind of retrain more in communication and understanding. And that led me into coaching. I actually, I yes. went and got my qualification in coaching a few years ago, actually, because I was put forward to um, coach an F1 team to coach some engineers. And um, I wasn't qualified at that point. 
And coaching is this industry where you don't technically need to be qualified to be a coach. Hopefully that's going to change in the next few years. So you could technically just say, label yourself as a coach and you're a coach. And you find people that aren't qualified and that are brilliant coaches, but equally, you know, you you find people that aren't as great and, and lots of customers waste their money. So I was like, right, I need to, I need to get some credibility behind me. And this F1 team, they really questioned my credibility and have you got a qualification and have you done this and what other big teams have you worked for? And that made me think, oh, okay, people are asking this question now, which is good. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get um, a qualification in that. So I went and did that. Yeah. Years. Well, great, great that you did. And, and, and I agree that there seems to be, uh, you know, with, within our profession, within coaching specifically, there's, there's a huge range that, that people can end up uh, getting. And also to go further than that, within so many of the corporations that we work with today, uh, there are coaching has become a bit of a buzz term. Yeah. where managers want to be a better coach and people want to do better internal coaching and have a coaching culture. But there there feels to be a lack of understanding of exactly what that is. And I think we find a lot of uh, managers who say, well, I should be able to just tell people what to do and they should just do it. And uh, why aren't they? Because I'm paying them. Uh, and so that, that journey of understanding what good coaching is seems to have some barriers around it. What, what would you say around that, about the challenges that people find if they're trying to bring more coaching or coaching culture into their company? What, what challenges are they walking into? Oh, I totally agree. It's that um, I actually met a guy a few months ago that asked me what I did. And he said, oh, you could come and help me. You could. Um, can you make my managers do what I tell them to do? And I was like, wow, anybody needs some coaching, I think it might be you. Of course, I didn't say that. Um, but yeah, I think coaching comes from us, really. Coaching comes from our background. Coaching comes from our attitude. As I've already kind of alluded to, my, you know, my family was very much you do this, not how do you feel about doing that? So I'm at that age where I think for, for many of us, kind of my age, mid 40s, most families, would that's kind of how, how it was. You do this, your, your parents tell you to do something and you just do it. We're finding now the younger generations are, they are um, more comfortable with the coaching and they're a bit more supportive with their children in a different way. So we're finding that millennials are coming up and they're actually expected, expecting, sorry, to be coached. And maybe they're finding that they're not being coached in their roles and they're not as happy. So I think that coaching, we well, we have this huge untapped um wealth of knowledge, ideas and talent in businesses, which we don't, we don't often find if we don't ask the right questions. So absolutely what you said is is correct, is that managers need to have this coaching ability in their toolkit. An effective mm. manager should be an effective coach. If and and if we take that even further, because I, I totally agree, uh, if there's someone listening thinking, no, nah, I don't need that, uh, coaching is not for me. We don't need that coaching stuff. We're just going to crack on with business. What can that lead to if they – you know, ultimately in a company, if you don't have a good coaching culture, if you don't have coaching skills as a, as a leader or a manager? Um, well, oh, I, I could talk so long for this. So telling, when people are telling, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, that gives a false feeling of control for the manager. You know, these managers are like, it's just easier for me to do this. I'm just going to do it. So it gives them a false feeling of control and it leads to subservient staff. 
staff that won't come up with their own ideas, staff that don't feel valued at work, staff that might um, often, if they feel that way, they can kind of gang up behind your back and work against you, staff that just don't want to be there. Um, Mm. uh, Many years ago, I once had a role where I had a manager that didn't coach and we didn't even have any one-to-ones or anything for the time that I was there. And one of, in my, in my um, exit meeting, one of the things that I said is I felt like I've got all of these ideas and all of these um, places that I want to go with the business, but actually I felt like a jack in a box had been pushed down and a big weight put on top of the, the, the door that opened. So I just ended up kind of shrinking into this, not even a vessel of myself. It just wasn't me. Mm. So that's kind of what you tend to find when you're not in this coaching environment. You don't get that, um, the expression from your staff that you want. You don't get the innovative ideas. You don't get the teamwork. You don't get the collaboration. You just get robots that are doing what you've told them to do. I probably go yeah. and moaning to their family about how much they think they're doing. Yeah. So, so let's let's flip that around then. Uh, and again, to sort of play devil's advocate, if there's someone listening thinking, uh, I don't want to have to go up to my team and say, well, how do you feel about doing this project? Uh, let's talk about if people really get their heads around embracing a coaching culture within their organization, what can that what can that really lead to? What 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 can you develop as a as a team, as a culture, as as a company? What, what can that allow you to tap into? So it supports your performance or the team's performance, the individual's performance. It can develop uh, new talent and skills. It can bring new business ideas in. It can bond the team. Um, it helps with the culture change as well and the culture shifts that we have. For example, with COVID, if you've got a team that actually work well that you've coached, they will have found that an easier transition to working mm. at home as opposed to one's that you haven't coached, that you haven't had those great conversations with. It also enhances engagement and it gives a sense of well-being. I've actually got a stat somewhere that I wrote down about this. So, um, yeah, stress is really decreased as well with coaching. So there was a study done in the States that said that the leading cause of burnout is actually having little personal control allowed in doing one's job. So um, stress comes from long periods of um, being suppressed in your work. So offering somebody that choice and that control wherever possible, acknowledging their values, acknowledging their capability, um, builds up their self-esteem and, of course, then lowers the stress. So Mm. you've got people that are happier in their jobs, that have less days off sick, that are coming up with more creative ideas and feeling that they're in a safe environment that they can voice those ideas. Great. Well, that, that all sounds tremendous. So uh, let, let's think about, well, how do you do that then? Because I'm sure that for some people that could feel like a, a stretch, a really new way of thinking or something that they definitely want to embrace, but they just don't know how to get started. Because I think it, could, it may feel like it's too much of a change or overwhelming. So if we can get really practical about it, what can people do uh, to, to get started individually in, in the way that they interact with people at work? Mm. Um Andy Lancaster, he he wrote a book called Driving Performance Through Learning, has a really great quote. And he says, coaching is culture, not calendar. And I really like that because he talks about usually when we're coaching, we have one-to-ones. And if you ask most staff members how they feel when they're called into a one-to-one, you get the answers of nervous, worried, anxious, 
don't know what's happening. So moving that coaching from one-to-one sessions into culture, i.e. we have coaching mindset every day rather than coaching sessions can really help. And what I mean by that is instead of asking why has that happened, because that can be quite perceived as quite negative, um, or how has that happened, you you ask different questions. So you might ask about, um, okay, tell me what's happened with this situation. And what are the consequences with this situation? And what are the consequences for yourself, for the team, for the business? That kind of thing. So instead of going down the blame avenue, what we're doing is we're just we're taking that blame away and we're just opening up to actually kind of find out what's behind that. Mm. Um, you can use people often use the grow model, which um, is the one generally used, I guess, in coaching, which is goal, yeah. reality, options and will. So the goal, um, a nice question, for example, people want to, you know, they might want to move on in their their jobs. They might want to get a promotion within the company. So a goal, if somebody brings that up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to kind of get promoted. A really nice goal question would be, okay, brilliant. So imagine one year from now, what's your ideal work situation? And how important would that be on a scale from one to 10? I really like the one to 10 because you can kind of, you can gauge where they're at and you can come back to that later. Mm. Um, a reality question would, okay, so what's the concern that lies behind this situation? And what else? What other concerns? The options, so uh, what would you have to change to get there? Or what could you do? Or how else would this work? Or um, what else could you do to help yourself? And then, of course, the will at the end. So what are you going to do? What's your next mm. step to get that promotion? Um, there's another one as well, which is called Fuel, which I like. Uh, and this is about you frame and agree the purpose and the process and the desired outcomes of, of whatever that situation is. And then the you is you understand. So you try to understand the coachee's point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes this is where managers struggle is they hear, uh, I want to get promoted and what they do is they just give you a they give you an answer well you need to do this we try to fix things mm. so this the the understanding is about how can we understand the coach's point of view their awareness of this situation and um how can i put myself in their shoes to really get where they're coming from yeah. then the e and fuel is explore the vision of success any alternative paths and prioritize methods to get there So what is your vision of getting promoted next year? Uh, What are the alternative paths? If if this one doesn't work, how else can you get there? And how are we going to prioritize those methods for you to to achieve this? And Mm -hmm. then the L is lay out a plan for success. So you have um, time-bound plans in there as well. So by three months, by six months, by one year, or maybe a week. And accountability is something that's often forgotten, but is really important. So how am I going to know that you've done that? Mm. Are you going to send me an email? Could be you're going to tell me? Could be I'm going to know because you finished that project. Um, but accountability is something that really keeps people to their promises when they, yeah. they to go through this process. Yeah, great. And uh, again, I'm just uh, aiming to listen through the lens of uh, some of the people who I know will tune into the podcast. Is is there a time where um, where they use that? Because that seems like a really 
sort of clear method through of using coaching, which I think people will it'll resonate with people so well. Is there a time when coaching is not the right way to, to approach a meeting or a conversation? Yeah, I, there is always a time. If there's something that's an emergency, if you need something done in a very specific way, um, then, yeah, you're just going to have to, you are going to do more the mentoring or the telling. Mm. Um, so, for example, I used to work a lot in automotive and I would work with service managers and they would say, yeah, but coaching, I can't coach them how to how to use um, a computer program. I can't coach them how to do that. I'm like, no, you can't coach them how to do that. You're right. But what you can coach them with is how they're feeling about learning a new program. You know, they might have experience before and you've not found that out. They might never have had any experience, so they might be a bit nervous. So you yeah. have that coaching mindset questions. It's nice kind of it, – it's gentle, it's supportive, it's nurturing before we get into the, okay, right, so I know you're a little bit nervous. I promise you it's going to be easier than you think. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how to use it, and then I'm going to get you to have a go. And then if I can help as we're going through, I'm here to help you rather than, right, you just do this, 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 this. You're much more likely to get people asking you those questions of, I've forgotten how to do this, I'm really sorry, where you'll get less mistakes than when people go, oh, I, I just can't go and ask them because they'll, they'll shout at me or they'll be annoyed at me. I'll just I'll try and figure it out. That's where you end up getting the mistakes. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, as I'm listening to that, I'm thinking about some of the the clients that we've worked with over the years, and uh, I reflect on sometimes if we're coaching people about how to handle objections, then uh, we might say to them, "I know that you want to just say that you're right and they're wrong, or that you just want to give a fix to this situation, and that feels like the shortest way to do it." But actually going around things from a longer journey uh, that, that takes into account people's emotions, how people are feeling about it and get into that place of collaboration, even though it feels longer, it gets you there sooner. Um, it, it sort of strikes me that that's how people may feel about this too, that they might think, I haven't got time to do all the coach, the feelings, and I just need the business to go forwards. But it, it you know, it feels like that's, it's similar that it, that you'll get where you want to go faster if you take the time to do this bit right. Would that be what you'd say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I hear this all of the time. Well, it's just easy if I just tell them or I just do it myself. The thing is, think about what you're doing to your teams, to your staff. You're disempowering them. We need to empower them to make their own decisions. Another issue that I hear a lot is, well, why can't people just be proactive? Well, you've probably not given them the environment to be proactive in. If your uh, attitude is, well, I'm just going to tell them they just need to do this. I don't have time to coach. You're not you're not nurturing that environment for proactiveness and for them to make mistakes and be creative. You're, mm. just, you're creating a, a fear environment that people work in. Mm. Um, I I did uh, when you we talk about that. It reminded me of a session that I did. Um, I, I do some voluntary coaching for a charity and we work with charities all around the world. And this particular one was a lady in Africa who'd just taken on this big, um, this big business. And she had decided that she was going to have an open door policy. And what it meant was that she wasn't getting any work done. So she literally had an open door policy. And I was speaking to her on Skype and there were like goats coming in. And- <laughs> 
popping their head in all the time and, and she's like I'm on a meeting I'm on a meeting and they're like oh sorry I'll go and it was an hour of constantly being interrupted and of course in my mind I'm thinking well just shut the door a few hours a day and you know you won't get interrupted or just have an open policy yeah. between certain hours but as a coach I can't say that a coach's job is to ask brilliant questions to get the information from the coachee. Because when the information and that resolution comes from the coachee, they are more empowered to do it and they're more likely to remember it. Mm. Um, People remember after three months of training, 65% of the information, if they're told and if they're shown and if they experience it, rather than 10% if they're just told what to do. So getting them to experience that um, resolution for themselves, that light bulb moment, is what really brings about the change. So with mm. this lady, I'm, I'm going, well, what else do you think you could do? And, and how would that make you feel? And um, what would be the consequence of doing this? And is there anything else you think you could do? And about 45 minutes in, she went, I guess I could close the door for a few hours at home. I was like, great. And what would that give you? She said, well, it would still be open door policy, but I'll have a couple of hours. I can really focus on my work. I can just think you could try that. I could try it. So she tried it that day and she emailed me a week later saying, this is brilliant. She said, it's great. I have the same amount of questions, but I have them in a shorter period of time and people can now diarize around mm. my door being open. So, yeah. Yeah. She came up. Yeah. And, and it's it, like, it feels... Uh, to the person who then comes up with that idea, it feels like something they have much more motivation towards doing, a sense of greater clarity about why and everything sort of seems to come together for them. It sometimes strikes me that uh, coaching in a way can, it can feel a little bit like Inception, uh, the movie Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio, where You've, you've got an idea of, you know, where, where somebody could go with, and I, you know, you could tell them, hey, I'd really like you to do this. Uh, but actually, if you get much further deeper inside the person's mind to understand, okay, how are you feeling about this? Where do you want to go? What might work well for, for you? The idea is planted so much deeper in their mind that they're much more able to, to make the most of it. Does, it. does that resonate? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the biggest things I took away from my coaching course was always be curious. There's always an emotion behind something, behind a question, behind a thought, behind a, a feeling. There's always something there. So be curious as to what's going on behind that. Listen mm. to the tone. Watch the change, the slight changes in body language that people give. We're always telling people who we are all of the time. You mm. can't not communicate. So that little, you know, the little movement of the head or the eyes or the, the, the hands come up to the mouth, something that's just different is giving you, the coach, a little bit of an understanding that something has changed here. So you would want mm. to go into that a little bit more. Yeah. If you're giving out work and people are a bit hesitant, you know, I've got these projects, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, anybody want to do that? Okay. Somebody kind of says, oh, okay, I'll do it. But there's a hesitation. I'd want to know why, what's behind that. Do they feel they're not capable? Have they had a bad experience before? Do they need some support? What, what is it? And when we can help with that, that's when you start to see that your staff um, blossom and grow. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so let's get into that on from a really practical level of thinking. Say, if if somebody's listening to this and they think, I really, I just, I have to do this. I've got an important meeting this week with someone where I, I know that they feel a bit stuck or there's a challenge that we're working on. Right? How do I get into that coaching mindset for this meeting that's coming up? What, what's the what's the first steps they could take to plan for that meeting to make sure they're going to uh, to use these these strategies in the best way? Okay, so the first thing is they want to focus on their own mindset. So too often managers will go into a meeting and think, right, you're an issue. And as soon as I think you're an issue, I'm going to look at you with your an issue eyes. I'm going to have that attitude in everything that I do, everything that my body reacts to you, everything that I say, you're an issue. Or I could go in and think you have an issue and which way I'm now going to be sympathetic, but it's not going to be coachy. I'm going to be mm. like, oh, you've got an issue. How can I help? So what we need to do is we need to think, okay, so this person, this situation, they've got a challenge. I much prefer the word challenge to issue or problem. So they've got a challenge like everybody else in the world and they're just trying to get through it like you and me and everybody. So I've taken myself to that level of the human to human, the adult to adult. I'm on their level. I understand we all have challenges. Let's see if we can work through this together. So that's my first thing is you want to make sure that your mindset is correct. Mm. And then go in, if you want to use a grow model, if you want to use fuel, if you just want to ask some open questions, just, just go in with that mindset. I'm going to just going to find out what, um, I don't know, what motivates this person in this meeting. And ask just some general open questions. You who, what, where. Um, try and usually leave your how and your why because they can be misread sometimes. Try not to lead the witness. That's another thing that we do. <laughs> and manage do we, so I, that reminds me of questions of, do you not feel that this would be a good idea? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, why haven't you started doing that? Uh, and I think as managers and as trainers, actually, I remember being a trainer, I used to be very good at leading the witness to get them to answer what I wanted them to answer instead of letting them come up with the, their own answers, be them wrong or nearly there or whatever. So try not to lead the witness. Go in with just this open mind. You're there. There's another human that's got challenges, as we all have. Let's try and figure this out together. Um, ask them, I don't know, ask them something like, um, what do you want from work apart from money? What is it that motivates you to be here apart from money? Most managers don't know what motivates their own staff. Mm. It could be working in a team environment. It could be being able to pick my kids up from school. It could be being able to cycle to work. It could be working on projects that scare me. You know, we don't ask this stuff enough. So yeah. ask the questions that try to get you to understand the person that's sat in front of you. Yeah, I think that's such a great uh, point to come to because so yeah. many people know they're kind of the surface level. They might know the emotion, but the key deeper drivers and motivators are something that, that can get uh, can get missed. So if you can get down to that place through a state of rapport with somebody, uh, then then all the better. And, and then you'll, you'll have a much better relationship with them as, as a result. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, yeah. And the next thing I say is remove any judgment. You, to be to coach, to have those coaching mindsets, coaching quality, um, questions, you have to remove any judgment because there are things that come up from these great questions that you will not be expecting and that will knock you for six. And the moment that shows on your face, all your rapport and trust is gone. 
Mm. It's really difficult to get that back. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, many years ago, I was coaching um, a manager who had oh, he had a lot of stress going on, and his team were actually giving him really negative three hundred and sixty feedback. And and I was having a coaching session with him, and what ended up happening is he was having some difficulties in his personal life, and it was being brought into the office because his wife also worked in the office. And what was happening is those outside issues were then being brought into work and they were arguing at lunchtime and they were sending each other texts. And of course, that's then changing how he reacts with his team. So when he told me that, instead of me wanting to go, oh, can we not leave this at home? You have to just sit there and go, okay, all right. Okay, so tell me a bit more about that. And how's that how's that changing the way that you're being with your team? And how is that um appearing in your life and all of this kind of stuff so you've got to remove any judgment you've got to remove putting any of your own thoughts or I would do this onto the people in front of you it's got to be them that comes up with everything Mm. it does take time and what you'll find is you'll get a much better response from your team members afterwards yes so Katie I think this has been brilliant insights for people to be able to start to walk away and think differently about how they approach conversations how they understand a coaching culture just thinking about next steps that people could be taking is there anything else in terms of something that people could quickly do to to enhance their knowledge here books that you'd recommend uh websites or anything that people could take a look at immediately after this podcast yeah, I mean, one of the, the best books is Coaching for Performance by Sir John Whitmore. He is um, the person that that brought the GROW model out to fruition. He's got a few videos online um, of him coaching. This is actually a great video of him coaching golf. It's quite old, but it, it, um, it pitches him against a golf instructor. And you can see they get the same or maybe he gets better results without knowing anything about the subject he's teaching. So Coaching for for performance is great. Um, And just ask open questions. Be curious. I think that's my biggest takeaway. Be curious about that human that is in front of you. More than a commodity, more than a team member, it's a human. They're a human person. Be curious about what is going on in their world. Mm, I think that's great advice. And and to take that even further to anybody who's thinking that's that's terrific, but you know, I'm not not really a manager. I go and meet clients day to day. If you take some of that thought into the next conversation you have with a client, uh, even or or a stakeholder, somebody you have to meet with day to day and just have that level of curiosity to build that understanding, the relationship you with you uh, with the other person, that can be tremendous for you and for them. So thank you so much for that, Katie, and thank you you to you for listening uh so i certainly hope that you have enjoyed this podcast that you've taken some value away that you'll put some of this stuff into action and we really like you to keep in touch so please do be connected with us you can share with us breakthrough moments aha moments that you got from this podcast uh how you applied it results that you got or some questions that you have so feel free to stay in touch with us on linkedin we are at uk body talk 
That's us on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also go to ukbodytalk.com and you can check out there the whole range of articles, resources we've got for you there, a range of workshops and online coaching and online courses uh, opportunities that you've got there too. And so, uh, you know, who knows very soon after this, if you wanted to, if you get in touch there, you could be coached by Katie uh, at some point, get her to work with your team or myself, whatever is going to work for you to take this to the next stage. So thanks again for listening. Thanks to Katie. And I hope to see you on the next podcast.